2: Welcome to Feminist Buzzkills Live, the show that will say abortion more times in the next 30 minutes than Joe Biden has said in his entire life. That's right. I'm Liz Winstead. With me are two women I am honored to be with on our first show of Women's History Month. Fellow Buzzkills and co-conspirators, Moji Alamodayel. Hello.
3: And Marie Khan, Hello, everyone. Coming up on the show, Liz and Moji talk about Biden's historic Supreme Court nominee with FBK Live's fave legal deep diver Dahlia Lithwick. Mojers, how is it that Kentaji Brown Jackson has zero record on abortion?
0: Whew, Marie, we have so many questions. Plus. Liz and I talked to the queen of alternative comedy, Beth Lapidez, about her cool new audiobook, So You Need to Decide, where she just explores the big decisions we have to make every day. And she talks to incredible people about what they struggle with when deciding,
2: <laughs> which I think is amazing. So excited about all of it. But before we get to our guests, let's look at some of the BS that's popping this week. So, It's Lent, everybody. And I remember each year as a kid giving up sweets from Smudge Wednesday to Easter. The point? To show this third grader the meaning of willpower and to set me up for failure at an early age, knowing I would slip up, eat the forbidden milk dud, and thus start the lifelong shame spiral of guilt, never feeling I could live up to anything any of the unreasonable expectations set forth to me by the Catholic Church or by God, leading to a lifetime of self-hatred and fear of hell. I'm sorry, I know this isn't really news, or is it? So, Lent is also the time for 40 Days for Life, a marathon of misogyny that since 2004 has gathered over 1 million Catholics from around the globe to spend 40 days and 40 nights descending upon abortion clinics, harassing patients as they enter. Church-sponsored busloads of school kids and screechers descend upon these clinics with rosaries and megaphones, creating a 40-day cacophony that makes sure at every moment during Lent, when a patient enters a clinic, they are treated to the relentless vitriol of scare circles yelling judgment and damnations, you know, just as jesus intended think of it as like all the creepy free hugs of burning man with none of the good drugs or pyro yep 40 days for life is just one of the many reasons that i gave up catholicism for lent years ago and as i look at the very real possibility of roe v wade being overturned in june for this year's lent i may give up hope that was kind of negative I did
3: end on a negative. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> oh, but, but you're right, Liz. Um, from the perspective I I interact directly with a lot of abortion seekers, it's, it's totally not uncommon for someone to bring up and talk about the forced religious guilt that they encounter outside of a clinic. You see someone out there, they're waving rosaries by the bulk. That's traumatizing as hell. Christians... Y- Everyone, and I was raised within the Christian church, they're the most common religious community to get abortions. And when your own people are harassing you on the sidewalk in the name of, of God, how truly disgusting. And, I know, you know because
2: it's easy to it's easy to dismiss like the beardos with the big bloody fetus signs. But when there's a nun standing with the rosary telling you that eternal damnation awaits you, that is more traumatizing than some asshole white supremacist.
0: And we've been following this trash for so long. Um, and if you care to hear more about it, you can go to hypocritesunmasked.com and get more information about what you can do about it and when it's happening in your town and you can show up and be annoying too. Or don't. That's don't right. Do that. no, but, but learn about it because it's the shit is real. And like we
2: made this whole website so you can really deep dive into all the different factions and 40 Days for Life. There's a lot to read, you know, but just like, don't drink red wine and read it because you'll stain
0: something. But Moji, stay with you. What do you? What BS have you uncovered this week? Well, you know what's actually it's not so bad. What's safer than Tylenol and what could end an early pregnancy in the comfort of your own home? It's medication abortion, which now accounts for fifty three percent of all abortion in this country. Now, medication abortion has been available in the U.S. since like two thousand. Uh, but the ongoing pandemic and the deluge of abortion restrictions that have laid, rained down on this country um, have really helped elevate it to the most common form of abortion care. And yet it's still a mystery for so many people. Listen, it's simple as it is safe. It's two pills taken in two part and can be used up to 10 weeks into a pregnancy. The first dose is called mifepristone. And uh, 24 hours, you take a dose of mis- my, Sorry, misoprosol. <laughs> and poof, pregnancy be gone. These pills are often commonly used in miscarriage management, and it's a great way to just have your abortion at home. Plus, in many states, you can get it via telemedicine. That means you can stay at home and they'll come to you. However, anti-abortion, anti-science Republican have been giving the abortion pill, the Liz Cheney character assassination treatment by pretending the good it does is not good. From Tennessee to South Dakota, bills restricting access to medication abortion specifically have reproduced like rabbits. As of January, six states have have an outright ban on telemedicine. 14 states require you to visit a physician. 27 states require you to have an ultrasound and South Dakota mandates four trips to the doctor for something you can legally get in the mail in California. Listen, abortion pills have entered the chat and they're taking over. It's so, you know, though, we just can't have nice things.
2: (laughs) when there's Republicans, we can't have nice things. And anything that gives you autonomy and helps alleviate you having to, A, walk through the, you know, gauntlet of people shaming you, or makes it easier for you to live your life without men controlling it, they're going to try to put a stop to it. It's
3: maddening. Exactly, Liz. And while medication abortion is a critical tool in our fight for equitable abortion access, this doesn't at all reduce or mitigate the importance of surgical abortion. And we have to safeguard that. So people at all, all weeks of pregnancy need to have abortion support. Right. And need to be able to have the kind
2: of abortion they want. You know, some people would like to take a pill at home. Some people would rather go into the clinic and have it done and be over fast. Like it does, it doesn't matter. All options on the table all the time. Um, Now, Marie, you, I know I'm gonna say this and it's crazy, but I think you're bringing us good news.
3: What? Yes, yes I am. So Montana is reminding all of us to get back to basics and stop gatekeeping qualified abortion caregivers. In 2005, the big skyneticians passed a law dismissing the credentials of qualified medical professionals. They claim that only doctors and physician assistants should be doing abortions. Because you know it's not like doulas and midwives haven't been elbow deep in safe births and safe abortions since the history of time. Well, in a positive ruling last week, the ability to provide abortion care was extended to nurse practitioners and midwives, Judge Mike Menahan affirmed the state's right to privacy includes reproductive care, and that includes receiving abortion care from a qualified provider of one's choice. He also said the Montana Board of Nursing is quite capable, thank you very much, of being the licensing authority determining who can provide safe surgical and medical abortion support. Dude, I wish I was a fly on the wall. Can you imagine? (laughs) To see the sputtering Republicans with their hard-ons, their armchair medicine fear-mongering, they're being told to stay in their lane. Finally, Montana is an expansive state with a huge rural swaths and limited practicing physicians, and we have to do everything we can to meet pregnant folks where they're at geographically by expanding the pool of abortion providers. A handful of states in the last five years, including California, Hawaii, New York, and Alaska have updated legislation to allow nurse practitioners, midwives, and physicians assistants to do abortion care. But 32 states still require a full-bore MD to dispense the abortion pill, be involved at some point in the process, which to echo what Moji said is safer than Tylenol. So small victories, y'all. Biden hasn't shown up for abortion, but at least Montana did. It is so, so frustrating.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's so frustrating. And when nurse practitioners provide abortion care, there's no reduction in patient safety outcomes. This has been researched. So like the Republican defense that they care about the safety of women is absolute bullshit. You know, Liz? And the
2: and the history of abortion practice. First of all, there's been 4000 years of abortion. And doctors didn't get involved in abortion until the 19th century. It was midwives. It was people who were doing this work. And now they get to do it again. And it's such utter bullshit that it's happening that I feel like it's just maddening. So good for you, Montana. And also these big square states that understand things, they might be leading the way. You know, they might be leading the way. So that is awesome. And I think it's a really good place to kick into um, our first guest today, because as we talk about access to abortion, lack of access to abortion, um, the first place we have all been looking to is the Supreme Court and how much access they're going to allow us to have. Moj?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so listen, here at FBK, anytime we hear a news story, whether it's Ukraine or the Wordle phenomenal, We're all like, what does this mean for abortion rights? Just an FYI, abort is a great starter, Wordle. Anyway, nothing in the news had us sweating in our soft spots more than wondering who Biden was gonna pick for his Supreme Court nominee. Uh, Well. He's chosen Ketanji Brown Jackson, and it's time to talk about what it means for abortion. So here to do that with us is a lawyer, writer, and journalist who covers law and politics for Slate and who is also a newly minted MSNBC legal analyst. Welcome, Dahlia Lithwick. Hi, Dahlia. Hey, Dahlia, thank you for being with us today. Hi, um, Moji. I, emoji I We're so excited you're here and to talk about our new Supreme Court nominee. Uh, can you lay out the highlights as to why she is above reproach as a candidate?
4: I mean, I really, really like her. And I, you know, I'm the person who forever wants Sherilyn Eiffel, right? Like I want the person who was the head of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, who's been in the trenches fighting. I think that if you think about the fact that all three of Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts literally did work for George Bush in Bush v. Gore, it would just be nice to have some parody in like somebody who was in the trenches fighting progressive fights rather than a really fantastic judge, right? But we don't live in that world. We live in the world of a really fantastic judge and we got one. And so I just say that as my tiny bit of framing that in some sense, part of the reason progressives lose is they just don't put up the people who are um, willing to go to the mat, uh, who think that winning this war is everything. Okay, that said, she's amazing. She's just amazing. She is, I mean, I think the best way to say it is that she has exactly John Roberts' record, right? Harvard, Harvard. Um, She clerked for the judge that she's replacing, except, oh, She's got eight more years of judicial experience than John Roberts. So by every metric, she's phenomenal. And I think, you know, and I know we, we're we going to talk about this, but it is beyond the historic first African American woman. And I don't even want to say beyond that because that is full stop, right? I mean, Amazing, but over and above that, I think it's the first time we've had a public defender. It's the first time we've had somebody who's worked on indigent defense. This is the first time since Thurgood Marshall that we've had somebody who really has been a civil rights, you know, uh, thinker about uh, civil rights for uh, uh, Black Americans. And I just think on every front, the fact that we're getting firsts is both shocking, but also it's about time. And so I just can't say enough about how this is a person whose record is stellar, Uh, don't let Lindsey Graham tell you anything else, but who also I really think in a deep way is going to give voice to something at the court that Sonia Sotomayor has been doing alone, which is talking about black and brown people.
0: Yeah, it's funny because when we look at things, she really is. And she's amazing. Like, we've been looking at Katanji Brown-Jackson um, and just researching her. But her ruling on reproductive rights cases and reproductive justice cases, it's very thin. There's actually not a lot to look at there. Where do you think we can look in her work that could give us an idea of like how she sees abortion or does she see it as a constitutional right? Like, has she given any speeches or anything on precedent that, you know, like what she thinks settled law is just anything that could give us because we're abortion access front, right? We want to know, like, where are you on abortion?
4: And, and one of the reasons that this is such a hard conversation is when you look at and credit where it's due, right? Joe Biden has done more to seat a diverse article 3 judiciary than any other president in history and he has gone to great pains to pull people who weren't just pro- prosecutors who don't just come from big law firms i mean he's really seated in the lower courts an incredibly robust and and diverse and diverse career backgrounds judiciary but abortion no Abortion is the one place where, right, he's, you know, Dale Ho, voting rights expert. I mean, you know, so many phenomenal people that he's he's gone to battle for, but on abortion, radio silence. And so, like, that's a whole other conversation is why is it that progressive activists who do, you know, carceral rights, who do um, uh, uh, voting rights, who do uh, criminal rights, all of those people get at least a seat at the table, abortion is not even in consideration. In fact, I would say it's disqualifying. So what you're identifying, which is there's a complete absence of any indication that this is a person who is for reproductive rights, well, there's a reason for that because it's deemed disqualifying. And so that's really frustrating. Um, I will say that You know, it's not as though the other shortlisters, Leandra Kruger or Jane Michelle Childs, had ample abortion, you know, records or speeches. I just think we need to sit with the fact that we live in the world where that is something that is deemed like a third rail. That said, she has been progressive on many, 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 many things. And... um, I think that there's no reason to believe that she is going to be you know, wildly anti-reproductive rights. I just think the larger question, which is why can't we get a single person who's worked on abortion rights even on a short list, that is a much more depressing question for your purposes.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Hey, if you're just joining us, we are Feminist Buzzkills Live, I'm Liz Winston, and we are talking to Dahlia Lithwick about Ketanji Brown, Jackson, Joe Biden, Supreme Court nominee. Um, and having said that, like, so feeling like it's by design that even the top three candidates did not have any kind of record on abortion and that it feels disqualifying um, is so disheartening from the point of view of who's going to defend this as a constitutional right. You know, it's it just, I feel it's super worrying. At the same time, because she doesn't have anything out there in the world, how are the liberty chimps like Ted Cruz and Blackburn going to shriek about her that she's been sent from, you know, commie stan to just like fulfill Biden's Marxist agenda? What, what are they going to point to?
4: Well, for one thing, and I think this is the answer for why she was selected, um, a lot of those people, three of them, um, voted for her a year ago. Uh, to be elevated to the D.C. Circuit. So when you hear Lindsey Graham now saying like, oh, when I meant she was qualified to be a judge, what I didn't mean was that she, right? So just note the hypocrisy. Um, but I think that the larger issue is you're going to hear like, oh, she, you know, defended Guantanamo detainees. You're going to hear, um, you know, oh, she, she um, was, you know, took a whack at um, Don McGahn when he, made this insane executive privilege uh, uh, assertion. So you'll hear lots of stuff like that, but the truth is, Liz, there isn't a lot to criticize about her. Does that matter for their purposes? Why no? No, it does not. They will find
2: something. So we have to wrap up. It goes so fast, but in the the course of looking at, is there anything you can point to for folks who are looking for assurances for? even post-Roe, because I think, you know, we're going to be having cases after Roe. I think Roe is going to fall, and I think she's going to be ruling on cases after Roe. What can we find comfort in about this person, having known so little about her when it comes to abortion?
4: I I mean, a couple things. One is that she's really lived life. Uh, She has seen things you and I have not seen, and she will talk about them. Uh, But I think more urgently, uh, what I think she is is a mom, And I think that having the other mom on the Supreme Court be Amy Coney Barrett saying things like, oh, it's fine if you have to carry your baby to term and leave it at a fire station. I'm a mom. That doesn't matter. To have somebody who can counter that just, I think, truly horrifying narrative is of at least some utility in terms of writing a dissent.
2: Um, That is really, really helpful. Dahlia, you brought really a lot to think about and hopefully we can have you back as we see her confirmation and just in general, please enjoy your time away. And um, as always, thank you for bringing your smarts.
4: Thank
0: you for
2: having me. Thanks. Dahlia Lithwick, always amazing. You can find Dahlia's work at slate.com. Watch her on MSNBC and her podcast amicus is a must for all
0: things. Supreme court Moj coming Up comedian Beth Lapitas joins us to talk about her hilarious new book, So You Need to Decide. But first, if you are having abortion today or any day and looking for some support, watch this video and know that we got you.
2: There's a lot of people who've been where you are. Oh
3: shit, oh shit, oh shit. I had an abortion when I was 20 years old with the love of my life. My name is Helen. I had an abortion when I was
1: 24 years old. I got pregnant by a guy I'd known for three weeks. Four years ago, I decided I was going to break up with him on Friday and found out I was pregnant on Monday. He wasn't protected, but he, like, he that whole coitus interruptus is what we believed in at the
0: time.
4: <laughs> I just switched from the pill to a diaphragm and that month I clearly did not know how to use a diaphragm because I got pregnant.
1: I've been pregnant four times. Um, the first time I had a miscarriage, the second and third time I had an abortion and the fourth time I had a child.
2: He lived with his grandmother and I was 30 and he was
1: 28. I, I thought to myself, oh, he said he smoked so much pot that he couldn't get me pregnant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: things that I heard at the time was that women who have abortions regretted every day of their lives and suffer from extreme depression and I'm here to tell you that I did not suffer from depression and I did not regret my decision.
3: The thing that uh, worried me the most that I think was kind of implanted by society is like oh you're never gonna be able to have kids again. My mom's had a lot and she's
0: fine she has
3: three kids she's
1: doing great. There's so much judgment in the world, just in society, about it, that when when you go into this place, you're like, is it? Am I gonna feel this judgment here? Um, and it was the opposite; it was everyone just so nice and just really understood what I was going through? I had a lot of fear and a
4: lot of shame, and I told my best friend, not knowing how she would react, and turns out she had had one a couple of years earlier. Like I found that more than half of my closest girlfriends had had them when i had the
3: the bravery to open up to them about it and that just made me feel
1: less alone i literally felt like that movie it's a wonderful life when you get your life back i mean not only was i not sad or traumatized i had to hide how relieved and ecstatic i felt i just felt it was my right to take care of my body i trusted my decision i trusted my the way i took care of myself i trusted myself to you know, direct my life, but I also trusted that I knew I couldn't handle a child. I've saved my life and
0: I have saved like pain and suffering of another living being. Um,
3: And I'm glad. I'm really glad I had an abortion. You're not alone. We have all gone through this, we all survived, and we are strong, powerful women, and you are gonna get through this. This is about you, your body, your choice. I trust that you know what's right for you. You're gonna be
0: okay. I support you. You've got this. You are so intelligent, and I know you're making the right decision.
1: I may not know you, but I love you, and you're doing the right thing. You are a good woman. I trust you.
0: I trust your decision. You are supported. I love that video so much. It's like, even, you know, I've seen it dozens of times and every time it just touches me again. Um, It reminds me how important it is for us to talk about our abortions and the abortions of the people around us. And really like the way we talk about it, the way we bring the sunlight to it is how we help get rid of stigma around it. It was was really beautiful. I I also
2: like jump, yeah. and, Mm -hmm. And I like jump starting on why you got there and like trying to preemptively talk about like, it, it, you know, take the blame away from how you got pregnant. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter why you want to have an abortion. It doesn't matter. There's no good abortion. There's no bad abortion. There's only the abortion you need. And on that note, let's bring on our next guest.
0: Oh, my gosh. Our next guest has been called the godmother of alternative comedy and her new audio book, So You Need to Decide. Uh, in her new comedy, sorry, in her new audiobook, So You Need to Decide, she examines some of life's biggest decisions with some of the world's biggest writers and culture icons. Please welcome Beth Lapidez.
1: Hi Beth. Hi. Hello. No, oh I thanks know. for having me. I'm good. Oh my god, that video was so moving. I was I crying. It, I was right? laughing. It's so good that oh my God, he said he smoked too much pot to get me pregnant. <laughs> Oh my God! I mean, Insane. have we not
2: heard every fucking story oh to have some God. guy just try to shove it in somehow? Oh it's my like, God!
1: Look, how about
2: just oh be God. awesome, and we'll probably fuck you if you have to come up with crazy <laughs> excuses.
1: Kind of a nightmare. It was so know. funny. It was very beautiful. I and and you know stories. It's I loved it because it's really the. I mean, stories is what gets us always. Um, well, and you know,
2: just- and that is, like, your whole thing. And, like, it was so exciting to have you kicking off Women's History Month on the show, talking about stories, and talking about, dis- like, this book that you have about decisions. Like, Uncabaret was this storytelling comedy dream, and then your book in talking about <laughs> decisions by people who have a really hard time making decisions. How do you even... <laughs> start to write a book asking actors and culture people and comedians to talk about how they make decisions. Like, how do they even finish the interviews? You know, honestly, so it's like funny. trying to interview somebody about self-esteem. How did you even think of it?
1: You know, I wanted to do I wanted to do this format. I mean, I know it's, a, it's sort of an experimental format of this, you know, original audiobook. And um, and I just thought that we you know it was before 2020 and you know how with elections it's always like decision 2020 you know and um, that word decision just really got to me and I just kept thinking about it and I kept thinking why is it so hard and I just thought there'd be good stories you know I just felt in my heart like I'm gonna have there's gonna be good stories
2: well before we kick into it, the one thing I thought was incredible was you. Said, and I want you to say it. How many decisions a person? Oh makes my god! <laughs> in a day, and I was like, oh my god.
1: You know, so I can't. Re- it's so- like one hundred and thirty-five thousand and four hundred and fifty-two. It was super specific when you Google. It's like, and how do they know? And do they include like, you know, brushing your teeth, moving your toothbrush, or is it only over easy or scrambled? Or I mean, what decisions like? is it like scratching or what do you it must
2: be like like me just deciding to lift my hands when i'm talking yes (laughs) Yes. lean forward those are two i'm still talking three
1: every time you're on instagram well i think writers and creative people i mean it's an explosion all you do when you write is make a decision every word is a decision there's nothing you know routine about it
2: Oh my God, so, it's so true. If you're just joining it's so us crazy. This is Feminist Buzzkills Live, talking to Beth Lapidus, hilarious comedian, founder of Uncabaret, and we're talking about her new book, Moji.
0: Oh my gosh. So, Beth, I love listening to your audio audiobook. And you have truly okay. fascinating people in your book, kind of speaking candidly about their experiences and their process. And I love, I especially loved hearing Sandra Bernhardt talking about how she decided to have a child, and then when she got pregnant, she was like, I'm just going to keep going and not talk about this pregnancy thing i'm doing how did you cope this level of intimacy from the people you interviewed um you know i think
1: i have a very because it wasn't an interview i always think of it as a conversation not an interview i think that's one of the main ways i do it and um i i don't know that's just my what's my brand i don't know intimacy and, and intensity and. Um, know, there was a lot of other stuff too. That stuff got cut out. We talked for a long time. All these conversations were probably an hour long and, um, people want, you know, there's a thing also people feel like, Oh, people, Oh, people really want to share their heart. I mean, honestly, that's my experience of people is, can I tell you people? I mean, people ultimately do want to tell.
2: It's true. And I think that, um, just, you the level of intimacy that you've had in your whole career the way you provided a stage for people to be intimate all of that i think that there's a trust level there that was really cool um we have to wrap up quickly but i have to say that like after listening to the book it was like i wish that i could have talked about abortion in your book. But now I'm like, you have to do oh, a book too. And we I have know to talk about I was it because the decision around abortion, and that's why we really wanted to play that video. Yeah. Because it really tied into um it's not always bad. There's many ways to do it. Um and as someone who's had several abortions, um, my decisions were mine. None of them were hard. And all of them meant my life was better, no matter what anybody said. So um, yeah, maybe we'll do really a special cool. event.
1: I didn't feel done, by the way. When they were like, "You have to stop interviewing and start writing and get this thing out," I could have just talked to people for another three years. Uh, I was so oh. I had a long list. You're on it. I mean, I was like, "I'm not done," um, but it was time. So maybe we'll do a special event. I too have had abortions, and those decisions two were easy and one was hard. You know? Yeah, and it, I yes. So and I think that like
2: the format of you. Having an audiobook where you talk, people talk, it's a whole conversation together. It's really cool. We have to wrap, okay. Beth. Tell okay. people where they can
1: find you. They can find me at uh, BethLapidus.com, And the book is everywhere the audiobooks are. Download it there. The links are all on my website. And I'm on Instagram and, and I'm on all the socials. Find me at all the socials.
0: <laughs> Beth, thank you so, 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 so much.
1: Thank you for having me. Love your show.
0: Uh, you can also get thank you again for joining us and Beth. You can, uh, anyone viewers, you can get so you need to decide at audible.com and you can follow uncabaret on all the socials and reach out to Beth directly.
2: That's right. Oh my god, what a show! Although, Marie, I feel like Moji and I hogged the whole show, it was yes. kind of like it was very heathery today. Like, Moji and it- I hogged it, and then Marie.
3: I'm sorry. It didn't feel right. Oh, no, it's fine. It gave me some time to listen. And, man, there's some real t- truth bombs dropped. I'm really excited for the Just Be Awesome and will Probably Fuck You bumper stickers. Those are going to sell like hotcakes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to have a mom on the Supreme Court who thinks that leaving your baby at the fire station is, you know bad, not ideal. I mean,
2: we have such low bars these days and you know, I think that, I think what I took away from it is that Joe Biden needs to listen to Beth Lapidus's book to help him decide to say the word abortion.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's our show. Marie, take us out. We want to thank Dahlia and Beth Lapidus for stopping by. And don't forget to buy Beth's book, So You Need to Decide, at audible.com. And coming up next week, it is a big
2: show. March 7th to the 14th is Abortion Provider Appreciation Week. And we're dedicating our entire show to the Women's Health Center of West Virginia, the very last remaining clinic in the state. Joe Manchin fails every damn
0: day every day plus the one and only peaches will be here yep that peaches we will talk about her life her work abortion you know all the things
3: and as liz mentioned lent means another round of 40 days for life we wanted to highlight the clinics that get some of the worst 40 days protesters you can specifically support them this week in our adopt a clinic program you can find out all about this program and access our provider list on our website at aafront.com/resources. And
2: remember, support your feminist buzzkills by liking and subscribing on the Abortion AF YouTube channel, and by making a donation at aafront.org. Plus, if you miss us live, you can watch every episode anytime on Abortion AF YouTube channel, or you can listen to the broadcast in pod form on Thursday's episode. Dropping on Sundays, wherever you get your pod fix, except for Spotify. bye.
0: And finally, we leave you today with a person who has turned showing her whole ass into a launch pad for her career. See y'all next week. Bye-bye.
3: Line number two: rape victims need abortions. Wrong. They need love. They need support. They need safety and healing. They needed a Glock 19 when it happened.
4: Feminist BuzzKills Live is a production of Abortion Access Front. Subscribe to our YouTube at aafront.org fbksub.